This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Jeff Morrow, welcome to the show. Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me on. You know, we're hoping we get through this episode. I'm in Houston, Texas right now. We're recording this on February 15th. And we have rolling blackouts across the state of Texas because as we're recording this at 9 a.m. Central Time uh, yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, it was 15 degrees. The wind chill is negative one. And I live in Houston, Texas. Did I say I live in Houston, Texas? It's never supposed to be below 40 in Houston, Texas ever. So I'm really cold, but I'm, I, I shouldn't complain because you're experiencing the same thing we are in Virginia. That's right. I'm I'm talking to you today from Charlottesville, Virginia, where where uh, we had fled my wife and I from our our businesses that we had built in Boston because I had burned out, and apparently we didn't go far enough south because we are coated in ice. Well, you you sent me a text this morning that says you're thinking about buying a zamboni. Yeah, and that's about the only thing that will move on our driveway right now. <laughs> You know, I, I, I was born and raised in Rochester, New York, so I'm a hockey fan and I know what a Zamboni is. For those of you who don't know, if you live in a warm climate, that's the thing that they use as hockey rinks to resurface the ice. So I got the joke, but if you didn't get the joke, now you understand it. So uh, before we get started on the show today, Jeff, why don't you take a couple seconds here? Tell us who you are and what you do. All right. So I'm most recently the writer of ProfitWise, How to Make More Money in Business by Doing the Right Thing. And that book collects a lot of the wisdom that I acquired building uh, businesses up in the Boston area. I started in 1998 with my brother buying a bankrupt Subaru dealership. That was our first business. And we uh, later opened other automotive retail uh, businesses and also got into real estate, cellular tower, infrastructure, insurance. And uh, those businesses now collectively generate over $100 million in annual sales revenue. And who doesn't want to make more money? Uh, that's <laughs> uh, one of the things you wanted to talk about on the show today, which I think is fascinating, is hiring and recruiting in 2021. So let's go back to March 2020. We had this thing called COVID hit the world, and it just upended so many businesses. Uh, my wife is still furloughed. She was in the travel industry. So many people are you know, what do I do? A lot of businesses, uh, believe it or not, are doing very well. A lot of online retailers are doing really well. So how can we approach hiring and recruiting in the age of a pandemic? First of all, just to compare this time to uh, as recently as a couple of years ago, when we are close to a full in employment economy, we were really struggling to attract the kind of quality applicants that we had Grown accustomed to attracting, you know, we're we have a, a slate of mature businesses, well established, good reputation. So it wasn't this case at the beginning when we started in the late '90s. But as time went on, if we ran a recruiting ad, we generally had a long list of people already who uh, a waiting list of people who were interested in working for us, and then of course all those additional candidates. In a full employment economy, you know, most people are are happy enough where they are in businesses, whether they whether they want to or not, or doing what they need to do to, to take care of their best people so they don't leave. But but a crisis like this uh, has caused a lot of problems for a lot of businesses, and I don't mean to diminish any of those, but it has also created a lot of opportunity that it, is, it has brought people into the uh, into the world looking for employment that really shouldn't be. And, and what I mean by that is really highly qualified, conscientious, you know, really 
really good people that, that just lost their jobs, not through their own fault or, or lack of initiative or anything on their part. It's just their industry collapsed. So what we found is that uh, after about March of 2020, for the positions that we needed to fill and we continued to grow because the nature of our businesses were actually in some cases improved, the fortunes were improved by the pandemic. Uh, we found that we've we've had a, a much better access to qualified candidates. So so there is that that dimension to the to the pandemic. You know what's interesting is several years ago, go back to like 2015. My wife is in the IT industry, and she was making a lot of money. And because we live in Houston, the oil energy you know center of the United States, you know a lot of people make a lot of money because of oil. But all of a sudden, the price of oil dropped, I mean, like a rock. And when that happened, they laid off a lot of the oil and gas people, laid off lots and lots of IT people. So now there's a glut of IT people and the salaries for IT people is like 50 or 60 percent less in just five years. And, you know, who could have predicted that? So that's the kind of stuff that happens. You, you mentioned a full employment economy versus a crisis economy. Well, I would think if you live in the oil and gas uh, capital of the, of the world like we do here in Houston, that is a crisis as well, because now all these people are out looking for jobs. Yeah. And I think the opportunity for people who who are fortunate enough to be in industries that are that are still in a position that they need to hire is the importance of looking at those fields that have been hit and specifically reaching out to those people. And the way recruiting is done nowadays, and we can get into some some very specific tactics or, or larger, bigger picture strategy in this conversation about hiring, but, but in terms of, of tactics, I think it's very important. Like we know that the hospitality industry, um, hotels and, and restaurants in particular, are laying off, um, have laid off a lot of people. So in our recruiting ads, we actually use keywords, hospitality, restaurant, um, hotel clerk, these kinds of things to try to, to, um, draw more attention when people are keyword searching for jobs. Because a lot of people imagine if you've been laid off at a hotel, probably the first thing you're going to do is look for another hotel job that is hiring. But, but if there aren't any, then, then maybe, um, in, you'd consider a job in, in our case, like in the automotive, in automotive sales. And we find those people are very personable. They're accustomed to dealing with the occasional grumpy person and, and not having it ruin their day. And so so there's a lot of skills overlap between those fields that are suffering and the kind of people that, that we need in our businesses. So we, we look for those people. That's very interesting. the, The key word approach of, you're trying to hire for an automobile industry, but your keywords are hospitality to attract those people. I never thought of that before. Yeah. I mean, we're in an internet world, you know, it, it was a time when we just, and I remember this, I mean, I'm old enough and we started the businesses in, like I said, in the pre pre-internet era of the late nineties where we had to run newspaper ads. And and that was a very different art because you had uh, just a few lines that the space was very expensive and you would never think about a key. I mean, I don't, I don't even think the term keyword meant anything back then. But as time goes on, you know, we've had to adapt to the to the way that people search for jobs. And the other benefit of doing that too, just and this is something we talk about, and I'm very proud of uh, of that, that goes into great detail in the book, is how we've attracted people that have been traditionally excluded from our industry using the same technique. So, I'll give an example: we have five female technicians 
in our dealership is very rare to, to, to have even one, one female technician uh, nationwide, about 1% of automotive technicians are women. But we've, we've designed our ads so that we specifically reach out to groups that we know have been overlooked and excluded traditionally. And you have to phrase them artfully. And, and I recommend anyone doing this to consult with an employment attorney to make sure they're not running the risk of, um, you know, creating a situation that, that, you know, they're incurring liability because of, of using the wrong language because there are a lot of laws governing, um, you know, groups that have, that have been excluded from employment traditionally. But we've been very successful just talking directly to people that, um, that have been excluded in the case of women. For instance, when we run a technician ad, we talk about the success that other women have had uh, joining our team and the, the career opportunity that is available in this field. And that's a way for us to, to speak directly to them and, and maybe uh, encourage them to apply for a job that they otherwise wouldn't have. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Stuchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. Now, listener, I want you to really not miss what he just said, okay? Because you may be looking for a role and you're using the wrong keywords because the travel industry, as Jeff said, took a massive hit. But if you're specifically saying, well, I want people with experience in my insurance office or in my automobile industry or car dealership, whatever the case may be, you have a good amount of people out there who are really good at the skills you need, but because you're focusing on getting someone who has knowledge, they don't need to know knowledge about your industry. If they're good in hospitality, they'll be a fit for customer service. So I, I want to make sure that the listener doesn't miss that because that is key. I, I had never heard of that or even thought about that until this conversation. And I want to make sure the listener doesn't miss that because there may be people listening to this conversation going, you know what? I'm struggling getting people in but now all of a sudden the light bulb just went off on their head because like, oh, wait a minute, there's a whole industry that's looking for a job and they're really good at customer service. So I think that, I mean, listener, don't stop listening now, but if you did, you got gold right there. So um, that is key. Now, when did you discover that? Because Did you stumble into that idea or how did you come about that? You know how it happened in, in this is years ago, you know, in the 2000s. And so many of the things we've learned about hiring were completely iterative. In other words, we just kept doing things wrong or making mistakes and and watching what would happen. And over the years, our companies have hired several hundred people. So we have a lot, you know, just just a lot of uh, a big data set, a, a sample size and an opportunity to observe the, the things that work and didn't. And what I, I ran an ad years ago that identified the former backgrounds of our very unusual sales team at Planet Subaru, because we intentionally attract people from outside the business because we don't want to import those those habits and tendencies to create a shenanigan-filled experience on the showroom floor for people. And I included one of the the uh, people that was already on our team had sell, sold cell phones before. And, and I put cell phone, you know, prior prior backgrounds include cell phone salesperson. And all of a sudden, we had tons of applicants from people who were selling cell phones. 
And I was like, what, what is up? You know, cause I, at that time I was very I mean, less so now, um, much less so now, but at the time I was intimately involved in, in every aspect of the business. I had my hands and everything. So I'm seeing these resumes come through. I'm like, what is going on? And then the light bulb went off that of course people, people were searching for cell phone jobs and they, they happened to pick ours up even though they weren't looking for a job in, in retail automotive. Wow. That is utterly amazing. And, you know, I encourage anyone who's listening to this show uh, who needs to hire and recruit in this age of, I guess it's technically not called a pandemic anymore. Now I think they're calling it an, an endemic, which means they don't think COVID is ever going to go away. Um, but that's beyond the scope of the, the show. Uh, very interesting way uh, to recruit people. So let's, do you have another specific tactic? Cause you said you had several sp- specific tactics uh, about how to hire and recruit. Uh, what's another one you'd like to share with us? Another one, uh, maybe less less uh, focused on recruiting and more towards the process of of hiring. I'll observe that that many larger companies are overly bureaucratic with their hiring. They have big human resources departments, and they've been sued so many times, which is just going to happen when you have a big company that that they've put into place all these procedures to try to minimize that legal liability. But in in small and medium sized companies, which are really the which is really the realm that I feel like I can talk with with some intelligence about, I think most companies are underly bureaucratic. You know, it, it, they have a single interview with the owner or the general manager or a department manager. And if they hit it off talking about hobbies or pets or whatever, the person is hired. And so in the book, I go into some detail, but a couple of the things I'll just rattle off that, that we encourage is having uh, multiple interviews. We do three and with different people included on each occasion. And the final interview is, is actually a multiple hour shadow day where the person is invited to come and witness the operations actually occurring. So in the case of a, an automotive salesperson position, we would invite them on a busy Saturday so that they could linger in the showroom and just hang out and see the kind of conversations that occur between salespeople and the customers so that we can eliminate those, those quick departures, those people you hire and then leave after a week or a month or three months because they, they really didn't understand anything about the job because they just hadn't had the opportunity to really observe it. So that would be one, one example of, of something I would recommend. Another thing, just in terms of how you conduct interviews, is using a more structured interview process than, than most small and medium-sized businesses do. So we have a script for each position. So if we're hiring for a technician, Obviously, the questions we're interested in learning about that person might be similar from a character standpoint or a conscientiousness standpoint to a salesperson. But in terms of like trying to dig into aptitude, we're going to have different questions for that technician. We want a script so that we ask the same questions of every candidate so that we don't waste our precious time talking about hobbies or pets. And we've thought about those questions in advance to try to try to surface those qualities that we really know are going to help that person succeed. And also to to surface the qualities that we know we've had trouble with, you know, if there's a lack of maturity, lack of conscientiousness, um, you know, an inability to play well with others, you know, we want to, we want to know that during the interview process. And really the only way you're going to find that out is by asking questions that, that engage the candidate and, and encourage him or her to talk about it. 
Very interesting. And I, I can tell you, I left corporate America back in July of 2005 when I was fired from my job. And at the time I was angry, but now I think it was a blessing because I may not be having this conversation with you had I not been fired. But I remember before I got fired, I was working for another company and then, and I left that company. I was looking for another job and I used to hate these multiple interviews because I used to think as you know, the prospect, I'm like, I have to waste an, an eight hour day going to all these interviews, walking around, not getting paid, have to pay for my own lunch. And now as a small business owner, I get it. But back then I'm like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not getting paid for this. Now, some people, I guess they do pay you a little something. It's not required, but I guess some people say, look, we'll pay you 50 bucks to go through the interview process. It's not much, but it's something. Um, I remember a couple of my went through, they were literally eight hours there on the other side of Houston. They were on the east side of Houston and it was just a waste of my time. Now, Obviously, the employer didn't think it was a waste of their time. They want to make sure they get the right candidate. So if you can speak to it from the the perspective, employee's perspective, as they're doing these multiple interviews that can go all day long, maybe multiple days over a week or something like that, it can get really disheartening, really frustrating because it's not like when you're downloading a file. Remember back in the old days of the slow internet, you'd get that little dialog box of how long it's going. It's really frustrating when you're trying to, you're interviewing with all these employees, all these different supervisors, managers, whatever the case may be. And you're like, you have no idea is it going well? Is it not going well? So talk to us about it from the employee's perspective. We try to be sensitive. You know, all of us, you know, it wasn't too long ago that we were looking for jobs too. So we've built into the system various ways to make sure that that the candidates, you know, wishes are considered. And, and one of the things you hear about that the candidates get so frustrated with is never hearing from the employer after interviewing. And just to briefly, as just go down this rabbit hole quickly, one of the ways we found that we can eliminate that is that the conclusion of each of the interviews, we ask the candidate to get in touch with us via phone. And so we, and we ask them to do it the next day. Benefits to us, we get to see whether they're able to follow simple instructions. But the benefit to the candidate is that they're never waiting on a phone call. It's, it's incumbent upon them to get in touch with us. And so we, we eliminate that, um, that condition that probably the most, I'd say it's the most common complaint among people looking for a job that they either have to wait too long or they never hear from the employer. So I, I think that's a, that's a key part of it. Um, another, another thing we've observed is that we invest a lot of energy in this process. As you alluded to earlier, when you own a small business, you, you very quickly learn how destructive a bad hire can be, or conversely, how how a single good hire can really energize your company. Because when you don't have, when you only have a few few team members, a single person can can make a really big contribution. So what we found is we get a lot of feedback from our candidates that they appreciate the investment that we make, and they can see it. I mean, we're we're fielding several managers or several team members for each of these interviews. I mean, the the commitment we have to making this a thorough, thoughtful experience is obvious. And the kind of people that we want are the kind of people who understand and appreciate that commitment on our part. And we get a lot of good feedback on that. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to mrproductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the link. 
I first heard from Dave Ramsey when I started listening to the show many, many years ago. You need to hire slow and fire fast. I, I love that. But he also says one of the last things he does now, obviously his team, the Lampo group is really ginormous, but in the early days, I don't know if he still does it now. He would always go out to lunch with the new hire and their spouse with his spouse. And he relied when they get back, he'd ask his wife, what are, what are your impressions of this person? And if his wife, Dave Ramsey's wife didn't get a good feeling, they wouldn't hire that person because, you know, there's certain things you can do from the interview. But then when you start seeing someone react, you know, when you go out to dinner with them, how do they treat the, the wait staff? How do they treat the person that takes your coat? How do they treat the, the bus boys or whatever the case may be? Because there's the subtle details. They may, they may shine in the interview, but they may be an absolute jerk when they're out in public. What do you think about that? I think for the, for the person who has the interest, the company that likes to do that, I think it's a great idea because you're, you're getting them out of the traditional interview situation where you can observe the way they act when their guards down maybe. And, you know, we, we've talked about using that idea before as a practical matter, it didn't make sense in a seven day a week, uh, very fast paced business that we're in. And that's when we added the shadow day, because that's a little more conversational. It's usually five or six or seven hours that the candidates kind of hanging around and they do join us for lunch. So we get a chance to have the more casual conversations and, and we've had occasions where we've decided not to hire somebody because of something that was said in that third interview, completely off the cuff and, and unguarded. So I think it's, that's one technique to do it. Uh, the, the restaurant idea, you could use our shadow day technique, but, but really the whole point of the interview process, think about every candidate's going to come into your, your business and tell you that he or she is going to be great. So your job is to is to figure out whether they can actually deliver on that promise. And the more eyes you get on that situation, the better. I think it's great to have a spouse involved because a spouse comes in, you know, kind of completely naive about the person, you know, just kind of gets the gets the feel. I mean, I, I don't know many businesses um that are that are structured in a way that that would be an obvious way to do it, but but I, I like the idea. Excellent. Well, you've given us a lot to think about uh, as we talked about hiring and recruiting in 2021. Uh, lots of insights, lots of gold here. But I want to just pivot just a little bit here. I do this fun thing uh, at the end of our, all my shows, and you said your game for it is called Mike Swap. So what happens here, if, if you're a first-time listener, is I will allow Jeff to be the host of the show, ask me one or two questions. He can ask me any question he wants to. It doesn't have to be about productivity, although I wouldn't ask me too many questions question about hiring and recruiting because I don't have any employees. Um, that would be a, a, a bunch of, I don't know. Um, but don't ask me for my social security number, credit card number. So any of the questions, fair game. If I don't know, I'll tell you. So Jeff, the show is yours. Very good. So I mentioned before that a couple of years ago, my wife and I returned to our native Virginia because I had pretty much fried myself all that business building and I didn't I didn't manage my my energy and ambition very well. I just burned out, quite frankly. And I came to think of life in terms of seasons. You just imagine through through a person's life, you know, you start as a child or infant, really, when you're born, you go to child, adolescence, early adulthood, adolescence, your golden years, however you want to define those seasons. I think there's an analogy in the case of an entrepreneurial journey, too. 
And I'm interested in the season that you're in right now. Like, how would you describe what's important to you, what you're willing to sacrifice, what you're willing not to, you know, what your energy level is? Does that make sense? Yeah, I've, for me, using the seasons of the year, you know, spring, summer, fall, and winter, I would say right now I'm in spring. I'm in early spring in my business. Um, you know, I planted the seeds. The seeds are starting to sprout. It's exciting because I remember when I used to live up in Rochester, New York, we don't have springs down here in Houston, but up in Rochester, we had springs. You know, you get the flowers start blooming, the daffodils and the lilacs and stuff like that. So I feel like that. I, I feel that... The best of my life is not here yet. I think that's a couple of years down the road. Um, I'm building my, as I call it, my empire or my kingdom, if you will. But I'm really excited about everything I'm doing. Um, now, I don't, everything I touch doesn't turn to gold. I'm not Midas. Um, some things don't work. Some things do work. And, but I'm really excited. I think I'm in the spring, early spring of my entrepreneur journey. Even though I've been doing this for 15 years, I think in the first, 10 years, I think I was in winter and because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, you know, I was sowing seeds in the middle of uh, an Arctic front, um, the frozen ground. It wasn't working. Then I came out and things started thawing out. And now I think I'm in the spring of my, my journey. Yeah, that's great. That's a, that's a lovely place to be. You know, as you see, you know, you have the energy and the enthusiasm and, and it gets, um, you know, you have a lot of good times ahead of you because it's fun too. when you see those, seeds not only start to germinate, but once you can start harvesting them, which comes, you know, in, in late summer, I guess, to use the to use the calendar that we're describing. Very good. Do you have another question for me or is that it? Yeah, I would say um what do you do to make sure that productivity doesn't become so mechanized that you burn yourself out in terms of operating yourself as a machine instead of a biological organism. I listen to my body, both uh, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, all the leads, because if I feel that I'm, I'm pushing a rope, if I feel stressed, if I feel overwhelmed, I immediately address that. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people don't do. They just go, well, I'm just going to keep pushing through and their effort's going to continue to deteriorate. So I encourage people to do is if you're not feeling it now, if you got a, a coaching call or you got to go to work, you got to muddle through. But if you can it, go watch some funny videos on YouTube or Snapchat or TikTok or something like that and, and add some levity to your life because you shouldn't take life so seriously. Um, I think so many people are doing that. And look, at you may not be making any money right now. Maybe you lost a lot of clients because of COVID. You got to wake up every day loving what you do, loving who you serve. Even if you don't make any money that day, you got to be excited about the day. So for me, I make sure that I'm always in tune to myself. How am I feeling? And I think if people did that, they'd start feeling much better. Yeah, I like that idea. And I think it's important. It's a mistake that I made that I wasn't really checking in. And, and so I woke up one day and I had, uh, I was a lot more exhausted and burnt out than I realized because I wasn't paying attention to those things. And I probably wasn't devoting, you know, enough energy to sharpen the sword and make sure I was taking care of, of myself spiritually and physically. And, and even in terms of the relationships I had with my wife and others. Excellent. Well, Jeff, the final question I have for you is where can we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? 
So jeffmorrill.com is the place to go. And my last name is spelled M-O-R-R-I-L-L. There's a lot of resources there. We couldn't fit all the all the chapters that were written for the book uh, in the book. So there are a few free chapters there. And there are lots of the tools we use. I referenced interview scripts earlier in our conversation. And we have actual examples of the very scripts we use. So if someone wants to learn more about the process um, you know, before deciding whether they want to buy the book, then, then I encourage them to check that out. Excellent. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show today, for sharing your insights and sharing the gold you did about the keywords. That was really awesome. One of my biggest takeaways. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.